result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Hello, my little dick suckers. Oh, that sounds bad in light of like the James Charles pedophile shit. I feel like little dick suckers doesn't really sound very good. Let's try that again. Hello, my of age legal to consent to things dick suckers. (laughs) If you are under the age of 18 listening to this podcast and you're not related to me, like, what are your parents doing? Well, are they paying attention to what's going on in your iPhone? Because if I ever have kids, I am going to be so far up their ass watching what's on their fucking Spotify and their YouTube because this shit, <laughs> the shit that I say is out of control and nobody at that age should be listening to this. I am a little stoned. I'm off the cigarettes currently. And, you know, I'm not going to commit to forever. I don't commit to forever with anything, not with men. <laughs> Not with my weed hiatus when I take one of those. And definitely not with the cigarettes because you never know when I'll be back. Okay, so back. That's what the kids are saying now. Everything is so back. So me and Marlboro Red 100s might be so back at some point. (laughs) And I've honestly just traded one vice for the other because I'm smoking these fucking vape sticks like they're going out of goddamn style. A douche flute, as I call it. So I need to get the fuck rid of those two. But I keep making excuses for myself as to why I should keep smoking them. I'm a little caffeinated, so bear with me. It's always a wild ride when I smoke a joint and then I drink a ton of caffeine because it's like an upper and a downer (laughs) all in the mix at the same time. We are not talking about hot chocolate, okay? Stay out of my fucking business, you nosy motherfuckers, okay? Here I am posting a little cute fall picture because I'm going to the city in a couple weeks to see Kim Petras with hot chocolate and I'm going to perform all of my gay business in one night. I usually pick like one night a year where I want to get super, super gay, and that is going to be my night. We're going to the gay concert and the gay after party, and it is just fag shit all day long on October 9th, okay? So I thought to myself, I know how these listeners are, and I know how the people in my life are, so let me just post this cute little fall picture throwback, and let me get this over with now before I get drunk on October 9th and start posting shit at the Kim Petras concert. And everyone's up in my fucking DMs asking me what's going on with my relationship. Is this my own fault because I decided to talk about it nonstop on this show? Absolutely. fucking Did I think it was going to cause a fucking panic in my DMs the way that it did? No, no, I did not. My answer to your questions, okay, your continuous question of are we back together is you'll know when I fucking know. I don't know what we're doing. We haven't talked about what we're doing. We're just doing it and a lot of it. I'll tell you that. So when I know, you'll fucking know, okay? Does that solve everything for now for the time fucking being? We're not talking about that shit today. So don't ask me. Don't send me a DM. Don't tell me that you're disappointed that I didn't tell you what's going on because I don't care. I don't even know what's going on. I spent all night at work reading those fucking DMs and I honestly got the best laughs out of what you guys had to say in response to the picture that I posted. What we do need to talk about is my trip to Miami. So. The last time I went to Miami was in 2021, and that was my first time there. So I knew what I was in for this round because the first time I drank from the second I got on the plane until the second I landed back in New York coming home. And I slept a total of maybe 10 hours on the entire trip. I just drank and raged morning, noon, and night. So I knew what I was in for this time around, and we had the Advil and the liquid IV on lock ready to go. So the night before we left, I went to work, which why I did that in hindsight, I don't fucking know. But everybody was like prepping. This happens every time we go on a trip. 
Mind you, the four key players in this story are me, my brother Anthony, whose birthday we went for, uh, my best friend Rachel, and her little sister Rihanna. The last time we were in Miami was for Rihanna's birthday, and that was a wild fucking time. So every time we go on a trip like this, nobody ends up sleeping the night before. It's ridiculous. I got out of work at like 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, somewhere around there, came home. I was already packed. I am never early. I'm always packing like the night before, and that's why I don't sleep before a trip because I'm a fucking procrastinator. But this time, I was well prepared ahead of time. I was ready to come home from work, take a quick shower, and grab my shit and go. Everybody was prepping like the day before we were leaving, so we knew that we weren't going to get a lot of sleep. My brother-in-law had given me muscle relaxers when I asked him for some shit when I had kidney stones, and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do with these? Your guess is as good as mine. I've never taken one of those things. I don't know what the fuck this will do to me. So that stack of drugs <laughs> has been sitting in my room for like six months. So I put a couple in a bottle with my name on it. And I was like, ooh, we're going to get these through security. Let's see what these will do. So we all get together before we leave. Our flight's at like six in the morning. It's like one o'clock at this point. So we all know that we're not sleeping. So the smart thing to do here, the adult decision to make if you know that you're not going to sleep at this point, is to just start drinking. So mimosas were flowing. Before I left the house, like the two nights prior, I used this fake self-tanner, right? I've never used a fake tan before besides like a tanning bed, but I've never used like one of those lotions or fucking potions that are supposed to turn you into the color of a new race. But I had been seeing this bro glow shit marketed on TikTok nonstop. And I fell into the trap. I was like, fuck it. I'll just spend $70 on something that I don't know if it's going to work or if it's going to make me look like a giant fucking peach. I don't know. Am I going to look orange? We're going to find out. I put this shit all over my body two nights before I was ready to leave. And supposedly you go to sleep and you wake up in six hours and all of a sudden the tan starts to show. I woke up the next morning looking like a fucking bronze goddess. I couldn't believe it. And then I went crazy. I was like, let's do more. So every fucking seven hours, I was putting this shit on my body, right? I went to work the night before I left and they were like, did you already go to Miami? Like, where did this tan come from? It looked so good, so subtle, so like bronze, yet subtle. It looked like a legit tan. You have to go out and buy this shit. It's called Bro Glow. This is not sponsored. They're not paying me to say this. I wish they were. If they want to slide in my DMs with a check after this, that'd be fucking great. This shit was unbelievable. All of a sudden, over the course of like two days, I, I looked like a bronze statue. I couldn't fucking believe it. It was amazing. It does not smell like shit. It smells like a little weird when you put it on with the glove, but after a couple minutes, it like dissipates. And then I just looked tan for the entire fucking trip. It was amazing. The only thing is like when it starts to come off, it's like any other one of those self-tanners where it's kind of like blotchy as it's peeling off. So there was like a day or two where on my neck I had like spots. But I don't really think that there's any way to avoid that. And I'm just a lazy ass bitch. So I'm pretty sure you could exfoliate it the fuck off if you don't want to see it anymore. But it was one of the best things I've ever purchased. So if you're in the market for a fake tan before a trip or before an event, and you don't want to smell like a chemical, you don't want to smell like you opened a bottle of Windex, and you don't want to risk turning the color of a bright fucking mandarin orange, then buy Bro Glow. It is so fucking good. I bought like the starter kit. I think it was $70. It comes with the face one, the body one, and the glove. It was absolutely incredible. My only critique is that be careful when you put it like down near your ankle and your foot, because on the back, 
of your heel sometimes like if you don't rub it in properly it kind of like bunches up and it gave me this weird like brown spot i looked like i had fucking vitiligo but so does winnie harlow and she's a bomb bitch so it's fine i'll take it so i get to the house we all get together the night before we're about to leave i got my tan on i'm ready to go i'm feeling good right i got my outfits you always have to have an airport outfit people who dress like pieces of shit in the airport i have no time for you i need to look cute on my flight because you never know who you're going to run into i hear all these stories on different podcasts and different TikToks of who they ended up accidentally sitting next to on a plane and what came of it. And you're not going to catch me looking like a fucking piece of shit. You're not going to catch me looking like a rag that I just cleaned my house with, with bleach, okay? I'm going to look as good as I could possibly look with my sunglasses on, on the plane, in the airport, because you never know what's going to happen. What if there's a mass shooting or a plane crash and I have to do a news interview and I look like a piece of garbage? That clip is going to go around the internet for the rest of my fucking life. I don't want to look like shit at the crime scene. So we're drinking mimosas before it's time to leave, right? I'm like all hyped up, all hopped up on caffeine. The last thing I am is tired. I've had espresso. I've had mimosas. I'm ready to go. I get to the airport. It's like 4.30 at this point and our flight's at 6. So to keep the momentum going, all I want to do is run around and find a place to drink. Who knew that the magic number at the airport is 5 a.m.? All of a sudden at 5 a.m., the bars and the restaurants start opening and you can start drinking as if it's 5 p.m. So that was great for me. We sat down, had an espresso martini. I'm ready to roll. Before we get on the plane, I'm like, maybe I should take one of those muscle relaxers and see if I could get some sleep and see what it's going to do for me so that I know whether I'm taking this at another time during this trip or whether I'm throwing these the fuck out as soon as we get there. I honestly couldn't tell you what happened with those because I was a little drunk and I just slept the whole plane ride. The worst thing that ever happens to me when I'm on a plane and I fall asleep is that for some reason, the way your like ears pop as you're coming down doesn't happen for me. I don't know if it's because I have the sinuses of a fucking 92-year-old my entire life and I can't breathe. That's why my voice sounds so whiny and Jewish. <laughs> or if it's just a thing, but like every time I'm asleep on a plane and it starts to like come down and I'm not awake before that, I just can't hear for like the rest of the day. Uh, you could try to yawn. You could try to cough. You could stick your fucking finger up your ass and, and blow out. I, whatever other tricks people try to tell you just don't work for me at that time. So I was fucked for like the next two and a half, three hours. The first day for like the first five hours we were in Miami were such a fucking wash. Also, I was amping up Rihanna's anxiety because she's not afraid of flying, but she gets like a little scared with the takeoff situation and the landing. And I am the worst person to fly with if you have any kind of concern about flying because right before it's time to take off. You know that moment where you turn the runway and you're sitting still and you know it's about to fucking jolt forward before you take off? That's the moment where I look at the people who are with me and go, Imagine if we just blew up, this plane just exploded on takeoff. Imagine if we took off like one of those videos and then just immediately crashed beyond the one runway and blew up and died. <laughs> I read once that if you say something out loud, it's statistically less likely to happen to you. And I take that and run with it, whether it's true or not. Some people will tell you that you're jinxing yourself. I think that you're preventing it from happening. And I use that as, as an excuse to continue my dark, disgusting humor. <laughs> So I'm looking at them and I'm like, yo, imagine if we just fucking blew up on takeoff and we never even made it to Miami. My mom's texting me while we're about to take off. And she's like, oh, texting when you land. She does this thing where she tracks the flight, right? So every time I fly somewhere or my brother flies somewhere, she asks for the flight number so she can put it into her fucking tracker app. I don't even know what this is about. Apparently, there's some app or website 
that you could put any flight number into and you can track the movement and like watch it on the screen from the start of the flight until they land, which sounds like a really dangerous tool for fucking terrorists that we're just giving out for free with no requirements to ensure that you are a regular citizen and you're not going to shoot at the plane. I, I don't, that sounds weird to me. It sounds like maybe something we shouldn't be giving out to the public, but okay. So she's on her stalker app and she's like, text me as soon as you land and let me know, even though I'll be watching, ha ha ha. And I'm sending her gifts, like iPhone gifts in the text message of planes burning. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, as long as we don't crash and I'm sending all these gifts of planes just like crashing and exploding. <laughs> I'm the worst person, I swear to God. She was freaking out over the text. The only part of flying that I don't like is when they're ascending or descending and they do that thing where they turn the fucking plane sideways. That's the point where I'm like, that's it. It's all over. We're going fucking down. And I will obviously say that out loud. I swear I'm the worst person to fly with if you have any kind of concern about flying. So I wake up as we're coming down and realize that I can't hear a fucking thing. It sounds like I'm trapped underwater. Mind you, we flew American on the way there and the flight was not that full. There was a lot of open seats. So this lady fucking tells me, first of all, my outlet's not working. I'm pissed. I always have my phone charged overnight. It's very rare that I forgot to charge my phone. And this was one of those times where I needed the fucking outlet and the outlet wasn't working. The whole row had like electrical issues where the fucking outlets weren't working. So the lady's like, oh, there's a whole like free row up there if you want to move. So I move up to the front and there's a whole row for me by myself working outlet. I just like sprawled out like it was bed and took a nap. It was amazing. So I wake up as we're coming down and I realize I can't hear. We get to the airport, we get out. I can't hear. I'm trying to blow my fucking air out of my ears through my nose. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying every fucking trick in the book. But now I'm miserable because now I'm overtired. You ever do that thing where you stay up all night and then you sleep for like two hours and then you wake up and you're worse off than if you just would have stayed the fuck awake? That's what happened to me. Now I'm like tired, irritable, and I can't hear. So I'm extra pissed. We get in the Uber to head to the Fountain Blue and it's pouring. All of a sudden, it's just pouring in Miami. This is the weekend that we're coming off of the hurricane that happened in Miami. So it was very hit or miss. It was very 50-50 as to whether we were even going to get off the ground. The whole time leading up to this, I'm like, what happens if they just cancel our flights? Like, Are they going to roll our reservation over for the room and all the stuff to the next weekend? Is that even a thing? Are we even going to get any money back? Like, What happens if they just don't take off. Like they just canceled this flight due to the hurricane. That didn't happen. The hurricane moved out, thank God, in time for us to leave. But of course, they're getting the after effects of the storm. So we get there and it's fucking pouring. And the weather said that the next few days, it wasn't going to be raining or bad weather. It was supposed to be like partially cloudy, but nice enough. We get to the hotel and we immediately head to the pool. We do the same thing that we did last time. Our room's not going to be ready until like three in the afternoon. We get to the resort at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So we check our bags with the hotel so that we can head over to the pool. We get to the pool and it's like cloudy, but it's not raining anymore. And we're like, fine, let's just lay out, grab a couple drinks, maybe get some lunch. Everything's going to be fine. As soon as we sit down in the fucking lounge chairs, literally 10 minutes later, the rain starts to come. And you know that gradual rain before it starts to pour over like the course of two or three minutes? So you get this like false hope as you're getting sprinkled on, like God is pissing on you from atop the clouds. And you're like, maybe this will be fine. Maybe it'll just stop in five minutes. And then whoosh, all of a sudden it just pours down. That's exactly what happened. So we ran to the outdoor restaurant under like the cover that they have over the bar. So we sit down 
We have lunch and we're like, fuck, this sucks. It's literally pouring like a fucking monsoon. We spent $6 million on lunch and drinks. And I swear to God, before we left, I said to Rachel, I was like, for the amount of money we've already spent on the room. Now, granted, like we went overboard and out of control because it was Anthony's birthday. We were supposed to do it for his 21st and it never worked out. So we're doing it for his 22nd. So we went like over the top. We got like a sick suite at the Fountain Blue overlooking the ocean. Like we didn't need to go that crazy, but we did. So I said to Rachel before we left, I'm like, yo, I know we're going over the top, but for the amount of money we've spent and we haven't even left yet, we could have literally gone to an island to an all-inclusive for a week and had the time of our lives for an entire week instead of four days. Note for the future. And everything at the Fountain Blue is like so stupid expensive because it's the nicest place to stay in Miami. Like you don't have to spend that much money. But of course, the bars and restaurants are all expensive down there. But this is like over the top. We ordered four frozen drinks at the bar. And before tip, it was $125. I was like, where am I? Then the guy asked me if I want to put a dark rum floater on my pina colada. And I was like, for what? Another $30? No, thank you. So we have a million dollar lunch. And then I don't even know. Like at this point, I'm so foggy. And I'm like trying to get my hearing back still 100%. I'm still miserable. So now I'm pissed about the rain. I don't honestly even know what they did after lunch or where they said they were going. But I was like, I'm really tired. I'm going to go sit down in the lobby. So I go with Rachel's like carry-on bag. It's like a duffel bag. I go to the lobby of our tower of the Fountain Blue. And the tower that we're staying in is where like all the suites are. And then up top, there's like the penthouses and the presidential suite. It's like the nicer part of the already nicest hotel in Miami. So the lobby is the same thing. It's very like grand and beautiful. I sit my ass down on this like circular couch in the lobby of our tower, put the bag down and lay my ass down and fall asleep for like two hours. How nobody that worked there, no staff member came over and was like, excuse me, you homeless degenerate fuck. (laughs) You cannot sleep in our million dollar lobby. Get the fuck out of here is beyond me. These bitches come two hours later, wake me up. I have no idea what's going on or where I am. I'm like, am I on the plane? Did I die in a plane crash? Is this heaven? Like, what's going on here? Let's be real. I wouldn't be in heaven. If I woke up after a plane crash, it would be in fucking hell. But that's okay because the temperature is better and I'm sure the clothing's better. Who the fuck wants to go to heaven and wear all white and spill a glass of red wine on your white linen outfit? or your white wings that you're flying around with, put me where the temperature is warm. You know there's a couple like good rappers, singers, entertainers, etc. All the ones who have done fucked up shit. I don't think Michael Jackson touched those little boys. I believe that wholeheartedly. But if he did, and he's down there, I want to be at that concert. I want to be at that concert dressed in all black, like the demon I am. So I wake up, I'm like all out of sorts. And then I remember where I am. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Now, was that the muscle relaxer? Or I don't know. What was it? All of a sudden, it's like the whole world changed. They're like, wake up. The weather is beautiful. The sun is out. Like, let's fucking go. I walk outside. And this is the thing about Florida. When I went to sleep, the sky was literally fucking black. There was clouds everywhere. You couldn't see a goddamn thing. And it was pouring. When I woke up two hours later and walked out that door, there wasn't a cloud in fucking sight. It was 85 degrees, humid as fuck, palm trees everywhere, sun's out, guns out. And all of a sudden, there's a million people at the pool. 
like like it wasn't just pouring an hour and a half ago. I couldn't fucking believe it. My hearing all of a sudden is starting to clear up. Was it the humidity? I don't know. But now I'm ready to party. So we laid by the pool till the room was ready, headed up to the room. We get to the room and I don't know what it was about the electrical issues this fucking weekend. I don't know if that was my curse, but half the fucking suite doesn't have power. The bathroom, the bedroom, we're like walking around in a dark bathroom. I'm like so ready for a shower. That's not an option. Got that fixed, thank God. And now it's time for night one. Now my brother had never been to Miami, so we were excited to like take him out to the spots and for him to see like what it was all about. We went to dinner in Brickell. Brickell reminds me of like the Williamsburg of Miami. It's like the downtown hotspot. Everything's like nice. Everything is... It's where all the good like social stuff happens. There's a bunch of bars, clubs, restaurants. We go to this restaurant called Marion, which is like $900 a fucking dinner just to sit down. They have these like girls that come out, almost like burlesque dancers, but like a little more covered than that. And they dance and they walk around to the tables and everyone's doing like fucking shots. It was wild. It was so much fun. It was really dead when we got there. But like as the night goes on, I think the price of the tables increases and it gets busier. It was such a hot spot. And they kept telling us that at like 11, 12 o'clock, it turns into more of like a club-like atmosphere. But we had already moved on to a new spot at that point. So we had the best dinner. Our waiter's like over at the other table opening champagne bottles, putting the fucking glass on his chin with his head up. And he's like doing these tricks while he's pouring people glasses of champagne that he's balancing on his face. It was wild. I was like, welcome to Miami, motherfuckers. This is what's going on. So after dinner, we went out to like their outside bar area where drinks were also $95 (laughs) for one round. I'm asking the guy about the hookah because they're like setting up hookahs for people. And I'm like, oh, how much is it to have like a hookah set up with like one or two flavors? He's like, oh, it's just $250. I was like, forget fucking that. Not for a goddamn hookah. Two times the first night we were there until I learned my lesson not to ask this question. I'm like walking up to people who work in these places and I'm like, where can I smoke a cigarette? Is there like an area where I can go smoke? Because in New York, even if you're in an outdoor area at a nice restaurant or a hotel, like you can't just smoke wherever you want. These people looked at me like I was fucking stupid and were like, uh, you're outside. You can smoke wherever you want. So I quickly learned to just do whatever I wanted while I was outside anywhere at Miami. So I hit up my boy Malik. Shout out Malik for the recommendations in Brickle. I hit him up because he lives there and I wanted like the good spots to go to. Because when I'm on a vacation and I usually do my research, but I knew that I had like friends down there that I could hit up for good spots. I don't want to be scouting for the good spots when I only have like a night or two or three, like a short trip. You know, I want like the good recommendations. So I don't waste my fucking time. So he tells us to go to this rooftop called Sugar. It's on top of the East Hotel in Brickell. If you are in Miami, live in Miami, going to Miami, you need to go to this fucking place. I would recommend going at like the sunset hour to catch like the daytime vibes into the night. It is unlike anything I've ever seen, even in New York City. This place is like a fucking jungle on top of a roof and there's trees everywhere and it kind of like encloses the space. But then like in the middle of it, there's these tables with these little lanterns hanging over. It literally looks like you're sitting in the middle of a jungle on top of a roof in Miami. And if you catch the right angle in between the trees, you can see like the skyline of the city of Miami. It was fucking incredible. Also a place that drinks are $9 million for one round. 
but it was incredible. I have never seen a rooftop like that in my life. It was so cool. And once I got out there and saw what it was like, it made the fucking 30 minute line that I had to wait on worth it. I can't stand waiting on line to go to a bar or go to a club. It drives me fucking nuts. So I had kind of like mapped out where we were going to go after dinner, after I got the recommendations. So the rooftop for me is always like a starter because the only reason I'm out anywhere is to shake my fucking ass. If there's no music and there's no DJ, I could just stay home and drink. It's cheaper. I want to go out and I want to put my ass on the floor and I want to pick it up tomorrow. So I looked up this other spot that he had recommended. It's called Blackbird Ordinary in Brickle. Again, if you are going to Miami, in Miami, live there, whatever, and you haven't been to these spots, hit the rooftop first and then go to Blackbird after. This place is my favorite club, uh, bar kind of thing that I've been to in Miami over live over any of that shit. We got there and from the outside, like it looks kind of sketchy. It looks like a little bit of a dive bar. And then when you walk in, it is that. It's kind of like a dark, divey kind of bar with this really cool like light up dance floor in front of the DJ. So we go to the bar and we get drinks. And then I see this like doorway in the back and people are like walking in and out. So we walk in there. Somebody had said something about there being like a back room with another DJ. So I was like, let's go check that out. And you walk down this long hallway that looks like it's going to be nothing. It looks like it's just going to lead you fucking out somewhere. And it's literally opens up into this huge club, opens up into this huge club, huge ceilings, lights, packed dance floor, DJ booth. It was the craziest fucking place I've been to in a really long time. I loved it. 100% my favorite spot I've been to in Miami. The DJ was killer. Like a good DJ will make or break the night if you're like out to dance and out to party. This DJ played the best mix of like 2000s throwbacks, current music, rap, Spanish music, pop stuff, like the best mix out of any DJ I've ever seen in Miami. I can't stand when they pick one genre and just stick to it. After an hour of EDM or after an hour of Spanish music or rap, like I need a fucking mix up. He was so good. Dance like a lunatic. Now the whole night, Anthony's saying, we got to do the belt. We got to do the belt. I'm like, what the fuck is the belt? So I'm dancing. I'm having a good time. He's like talking to some group of guys about the belt. Nothing happens. Talking to another group of guys about the belt. Nothing happens. All of a sudden, like an hour and a half into us being there, I turn around and him and some guy are holding his belt that he took off of his pants and they're making a fucking limbo <laughs> in the middle of the dance floor. And Rachel's like orchestrating, trying to get people involved. Before you know it, the whole dance floor is in a circle and everyone's doing the fucking limbo under this goddamn belt. It was a sight to see. Thank God my brother is a great time and just as fun as I am. I literally couldn't have asked for anything better in a brother unless he could hold his liquor better. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Night one was such a success. Ubered back to the hotel and I was like drunk. I was having a good time. You know that level of drunk where you get to where it's not over the top and everything's going to be okay. You're like sitting right in the right spot. That was my vibe for the night. And I just wanted to keep going. Day two, we laid by the pool the whole day. And if you haven't been to the Fountain Blue, it's literally the best pool. If you're like going to lay out and just have drinks and chill and you're not looking for like a day party situation, it's the best pool in Miami. It is the most beautiful. It's the biggest. There's like seven pools. The main pool is where I like to sit because it's huge and there's so much going on over there. They'll set you up your chairs. It's like you have service at the chairs. It's the greatest fucking place. It's literally like paradise. The palm trees are everywhere. It's so beautiful. So we spent all day by the pool the next day. And like I said, drinks are like $50 million. So we <laughs> decided we were going to go for our hack. So when we got 
to Miami, we had a food delivery to the room and we had a liquor delivery. So I had the bright idea of emptying out the cranberry juice (laughs) out of the big jug into the ice bucket. And then I put the ice bucket in the fridge. And then in the cranberry juice jug, we made like a big cocktail with rum and like juice and shit. And we put that in Rachel's beach bag. And then I went to the bar and bought a round of the frozen drinks so we could get their cups. Because you can go in and out with their cups if you have the right wristband, like if you're staying there. So we pulled the jug out of the fucking bag and just started pouring our own drinks in the cups like they were from the bar. And then we ordered a bucket of seltzers, like high noons. And then we brought our own high noons from the house, from the suite, in the beach bag. And once the bucket started running out, we just started putting our own in the cooler. So it looked like we hadn't drank all of ours that we ordered from them. And that's how you save money on a million dollar trip. You're welcome. Night two was live. Let me tell you how I feel about Club Live. It is in the hotel that we stayed in, the Fountain Blue. It's in the lobby. And I think it's like one of those things that's super overrated, kind of a shitty experience as far as like the value of the time you spend there versus what it costs to get in. Every event is like ticketed. So live on Sundays is like the big day to go to live. And the last time we were there, we had such a great time because we saw David Guetta. And David Guetta will just play all of the hits from my age groups, teenage years, high school and college and all that shit. David Guetta is the shit and every song he plays, you know. So seeing David Guetta made the experience of being at live. But I kind of feel like live is the same thing as Marquee in New York City. It's overpriced. It's overcrowded. The crowd sucks. Nobody's there to like dance and have a good time. Everyone's just taking fucking selfies on the dance floor. The night before when we were at Blackbirds, everybody was there to party. Everybody was having a great fucking time. That's the kind of energy I like when you're out on the dance floor. And that is the only place I live when I am out. You will not catch me sitting down in the corner. So I feel like live is super overrated. And I think it's one of those things when you're in Miami, you do it once and then you don't need to do it again. But I wanted my brother to go there because it was the full experience and he had never been there. So we bought tickets for Live on Sunday and then I found out that it was Quavo that was fucking doing an appearance and performing and I couldn't give a shit less about Quavo or the Migos. Rachel never has good luck at Live. So the first time we were there in 2021, we were in there for maybe a half an hour to an hour and she went to get a round of drinks and put her phone down on the bar and in the time that she picked up her drinks and turned back around, literally someone jacked her phone off the bar. It wasn't anywhere. It didn't fall. Somebody literally picked it up. So now we spend like another hour trying to find her phone, call her phone, get her phone back. And then she was so pissed that she was like, I'm out. She didn't even see David Guetta when we were at Club Blip. So this is like a curse now where something happens to her and she misses the main act. She goes to the bar upstairs to get a drink. And for some reason, they asked for her ID, which is so weird because when I got a round of drinks, they didn't ask for my ID because if you're inside the club, you're 21. Like there's no 18 and over at most clubs in those popular cities anymore and 21 to drink. It's just 21 and up. So the fact that they were even asking for ID was super strange, in my opinion. So they ask for her ID, she gives it to him, and then she comes back downstairs and realizes that she doesn't have it. So she goes back upstairs to the bar and is like, hey, I gave the bartender my ID and I don't think he gave it back. Like it's definitely up here. And they're like super fucking weird about it. And they're like, well, you didn't give your ID to a male bartender because we don't have a male bartender. And she's like, well, I mean, I'm not fucking delusional. Like the guy who came over and poured our drinks and helped us was a guy. Like, what are you talking about? So then he like calls over to the girl and was like, hey, did we find an ID? And she was like, no, didn't even look, nothing. Like just like, "Mm, no. 
Then someone else came over, like a manager, and she explained the situation. And then that person walks over to like the crowd of bartenders and all of a sudden produces the ID and is like, oh, yep, I got it. But this went on for like a good 20 or 30 minutes. It was such a weird situation. Like, are they stealing and hiding IDs for their trafficked people in the basement? Like, what's going on at Club Live that we don't know about? It was very sketchy. So that put her in a mood. Uh, like I said, she never has good luck at Live. Like, something's going to happen. So we're waiting for Quavo to come, and we're down in the front of the dance floor, and we meet these two girls, Demetra and Ceylani, who are my new favorite people. I start dancing with Lani, and we're having the best time, and she's like, I saw you before, and I told my friend, like, he's the one to party with. We're going to hang out with him. And I was like, way to give me the greatest compliment you could ever give me in my life was that you saw me having fun and decided that I was the person in this room to hang out with and party with because I looked like a great time. All I want to do anywhere I go is be a great fucking time. (laughs) We had the literal best time together. They were the best people. I think that they said that they're from Texas, but Lonnie was originally from New York. She was from Brooklyn. So we just immediately vibed. We had the best time. Now, at this point, Lonnie's friend is leaving. I don't know where she went, but she's like, my friend is leaving. Can I stick with you guys for the rest of the night? And I was like, absolutely. Like, you're my new BFF. So hold on to that for later for the next part of the story. Rachel and Rihanna decide to dip because like, I I don't know. I don't know if it was because they were drinking. I don't know if Rachel was like pissed about the ID situation. It kind of like ruined her night. I don't know exactly why she wanted to leave, but they left. They were out the door up at the room. And usually Rihanna's the last one standing with me. The last time we went to live and saw David Guetta, everyone was dropping like flies throughout the night. And we were the last one standing. Actually, I was the last one standing because I walked her back up to the room. And then I came back down to go to the steps because after Liv kind of closes and starts to clear out, the party spills over to the front steps and everyone's out there acting a fool waiting for their Ubers or cars to go to space. Now let's talk about space because my whole goal on this trip was to go to club space. Club space is where you go when everything else closes. When you're already drunk and your last stop is approaching, you go to club space because they're open till 10 o'clock in the morning. And I've seen TikToks of people coming out fucked up out of their face in their club clothes at 10 o'clock in the morning from club space looking like a goddamn zombie on their way to go to brunch and i said i want that to be me i didn't make it there last time david Guetta on the front steps after i took a picture with him and had a conversation with him personally invited me he looked like he was like super drunk so i don't think he was thinking straight to the after party at club space and why i didn't go i'm not sure after i walked her down After I walked Rihanna back to the room on the original trip, I came back downstairs and I went out to the steps, caught up with David Guetta like we were casual friends. I I don't know why or how that happened. And then I went back into the club. I told the security guard, I was like, my sister lost her phone. I'm trying to find it. Like, There's no reentry, but can you just let me back in and try to find the phone? After I couldn't find the phone, I asked a couple bartenders where we had been before. I just decided to continue partying. So I walk up near like the dance floor tables. And that's another thing, like the view of the stage and and whatever at live just kind of sucks. Like you're in that packed crowd. If you buy something general admission, the tables that are like kind of affordable are all the way in the back along this like gated wall elevated, but you still can't really see shit. So if you can't afford the $10,000 fucking tables on the dance floor or the tables that are directly up on the balcony right next to the stage, you don't have a good view. And those top tables are usually reserved for whatever 
celebrity or artist is is there to spectate that night we'll get to that so like you don't have a good view of anything that's happening unless you're like right up front in the crowd or you're willing to spend ten thousand dollars so that's why i don't fucking like live it reminds me of marquee like i said in the city which is a crappy experience as well so on the original trip i come back in from the steps i go to look for the phone and then i just decide to party so i walk up to the tables where like the $10,000 dance floor tables are. And at this point, it's like four o'clock in the morning. So everything is kind of cleared out. People start smoking in live. Like if you try to light a cigarette inside the club at 10 o'clock, you're getting kicked out. If it's three o'clock in the morning and everyone's kind of cleared out and there's people left and you light up a cigarette, like the security is going to give you the lighter and smoke one with you. It's the weirdest fucking thing. So I'm smoking a cigarette on the dance floor inside. This guy gives me a bottle of champagne I don't remember what it was, but it was expensive. It's like this magnum bottle of champagne, literally still sealed. He's wasted and he's leaving. His girlfriend's yelling at him why he's giving away an expensive bottle of champagne. And he's like, we're literally leaving. What are we going to do with it? So I'm now walking around the dance floor, dancing with a cigarette in my mouth (laughs) and an open bottle of champagne, drinking out of the bottle. I meet this woman whose name I don't remember. She speaks no English. She speaks only Spanish, but that didn't stop me. We started partying together, dancing on top of the table on top of the booth that cost $10,000, but at this point is vacant. And it was literally the best part of that trip for me. So now thinking back to that trip, this time around, I'm like, I got to top that good time. So I'm going to fucking club space. And I told everyone we are going to club space at four o'clock in the morning. And if none of you are coming and all of you don't make it, I am going fucking alone. I'm going alone to club space. I don't give a fuck. I need to be in space. So Rachel and Rihanna leave. Anthony and I are waiting for Quavo to come out because at this point we're like, well, we might as well see him since we bought tickets to this thing. Anthony's drunk. I take him to the bathroom and he's like literally on the verge of throwing up and he doesn't want to admit it, but I know it. And then we had been drinking like vodka, Red Bulls and vodka sodas all night. And he's not good on liquor. Like he's good on the canned shit and beer and fine. He's not good on liquor and he'll claim that it's only tequila, but he didn't drink tequila that night and we were having a problem. So we're in the line to the bathroom stall because there's only one stall in the men's room. The rest are urinals. We're in the line for the stall. And I'm like, just hang in there, buddy. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're going to you look like you're going to throw up. So I told him that I would shove my fingers down my throat and make myself throw up to stand in solidarity, which I didn't. (laughs) But apparently in his drunken state, it made him more comfortable to throw up. So he's throwing up in Club Live in the bathroom. But he's a good rallier like I am. Like I don't throw up that often during the night. But if I do, nobody's going to know about it unless I tell you. And I'm going to come out ready to go, ready to party. (laughs) So we kept raging. Now, the whole time Rachel had left, We, in the beginning of the night, saw this guy outside because we always go to Blue Bar, which is in the back lobby of the Fountain Blue. It's my favorite fucking place. It's such a cool, like, classy, good vibe bar. So we ordered some bottles of champagne. We go out to smoke a cigarette. We see this guy getting out of like a blacked out truck with this huge, huge entourage. There's like five people with him. There's like a videographer guy behind him filming. There's a security guard or two that are literally like armed. We're like, who is this guy? I've never seen him before in my life. Come to find out he's the opening DJ and apparently he's popular and people knew who he was, but I didn't. So I pointed at him at one point in the night and was like, that's him because we were outside trying to figure out who the fuck is that guy. He's on stage DJing and we're like, that's him. So the whole time, Rachel thought that that was Quavo because she doesn't know what Quavo looks like. 
So she left thinking she had seen Quavo, but honestly, she never did, which is the second time because the last time we were at this club, she left before she saw David Guetta. So the whole joke of the rest of the trip was who's Quavo and what does he look like? Because she thought she saw him, but she didn't. Mind you, up in the first balcony section, I didn't realize was the number one most hated celebrity on the internet for me. So all of a sudden, the DJ starts playing Tatiana. And out pops Blueface, okay? Out pops Blueface doing his one song that anyone's ever heard of, doing his one dance move that he knows how to do on the stage for six seconds, okay? I'm like that video on TikTok, if you've seen going around lately, where that guy's like, what do I have to do? And what do I have to mute? How many more keywords do I have to mute on Instagram and Twitter to never see a goddamn thing about Blueface and Krishan Rock ever again? You cannot escape it. And if you comment something negative, people do the thing where they're like, mm, haters. No, I can't escape these people that I want absolutely nothing to do with. I don't care about their drama and their lives. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. So I look up into the top section, like right at the balcony above the stage, and I see that big headed bitch, his original baby mom's. And then he gets off the stage and he goes up there and they're like all over each other. And I'm like, holy shit, how do I find myself smack dab in the middle of the blue face baby mama drama? I'm looking up and I see that whatever her name is with the fucking braids. I got a big head. You know that bitch? <laughs> She's up there with her stupid BBL and her body. You know all the shit they fucking say. She's up there. They're doing their thing. I'm like, this is fucking unbelievable. Fast forward to the day or two after world of drama on Twitter is going on about how Krishan Rock is giving birth to their goddamn baby and he's out back with his ex-baby moms all over Instagram, all over Miami. And I had no idea this was happening until it was right in front of my face. So I had a front row seat for all of the videos and all of the bullshit that was posted on the blogs the next day about them being out together. I like saw it the whole time. It was not entertaining, as you would imagine. It's less entertaining than it is on the internet in person. Mind you, they fucking played. He must have had that DJ play his baby mama's song. And if you haven't heard her songs, it's garbage. And the crowd went mild. And he was posting this video about playing her song and she was in the DJ booth and they made it look like it was something it wasn't. And I was like, yo, if you were there, you would have seen everyone roll in their fucking eyes at her bum-ass braided head. We were not impressed, but I did find it funny when I looked at her Instagram the next day and saw the story posts of her taking videos of him on the stage at Live with us standing right in front of it. It was pretty funny. So Quavo doesn't come out the motherfucker till 3.30 a.m. And I just kept yelling at him, you're fucking late. Like, you're late. What a garbage show. I don't know anything by the Migos except for like three songs. I think that they suck. I think that that music is fucking garbage. Uh, whatever. I don't care. I can't stand it. I can't stand their little chirp noises that they make. It's just not my thing. So why we had to end up there and why it had to be live on Sunday with fucking Quavo, I could have just jumped off the stage and nosedived into the floor and hoped that I hit my head. He's got like 13 guys on stage with him that do nothing and nobody knows who they are. They're just like his crew doing these weird fucking dances and taking Instagram videos. It was like the literal biggest lack of entertainment. And I just kept thinking to myself, people are so easily entertained these days. Like if they think that this is fucking some shit that is worth coming out for and paying money for ticket, like whatever. Okay.
So after like 20 minutes, now mind you, everybody who bought tickets to see Quavo is waiting all night to see Quavo. The motherfucker shows up at 3.30, does like 20 minutes, and then bounces. That's it. He's done. Whatever. So we leave. Now, Lonnie's left with us. It's me, Anthony, and Lonnie. So I'm like, we'll walk you back to your room because I'm not sending you out at fucking four o'clock in the morning to walk by yourself looking all good. (laughs) So she says that she's staying in the Fountain Blue. So we start to walk her back not realizing that she's staying on the literal other side of Guam in the hotel. I didn't even know the hotel stretched this far because the two times that we've been there, we've stayed in the same tower, which is way closer. So I didn't know that it extended so far in the other direction. So we walk her back, right? It takes us like a solid 15 minutes to get to the room. We bring her to the room. She goes, whatever. Anthony is so drunk (laughs) that he can't even walk straight. He's like tripping over himself. So we go to get in the elevator. There's literally one elevator in this hallway. I couldn't have made a mistake about an elevator because there was only one. So we press the button to go down. We get in the elevator. And now like, I'm pretty drunk. I'm not on Anthony's level, but I'm pretty drunk. So we start to go down and the door opens to this like weird hallway with like cleaning products and cement and bricks. And it just looks fucking weird, like a basement. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? what is going on? We're on the wrong floor. Like, what is this? So I press the button again. We go down another floor, open up, same thing. I'm like, did we accidentally get on like the service elevator or the staff elevator? So like, how did this happen? This was the only elevator in the fucking, in the fucking hallway of this part of the hotel. I don't know what's going on, but it looks like I'm in hell. So I press the button again. We go down, opens up, same thing. I'm like, get out of this elevator. We got to find a staircase. Like, I don't know where we are or what's going on, but I need to find my way to a lobby or outside real quick. How the fuck do you get lost in a hotel, getting on the only elevator available and end up in like the back hallways for the service staff? I I have no fucking idea. So we get off, we get into a staircase. We're walking down like four flights of stairs, having no idea where it's going. We finally get to the ground floor and then you like walk across this landing and there are steps to go back up and then like big doors with the push bars that like open double. So we walk up there. I'm like, that's got to be the exit. That's got to be the way out. I push that open. We walk out. We're in a literal fucking back alleyway that looks like it's half a mile long. The fucking street is so far away. I'm like, let's walk that way. That's got to be the way to like the street. And we'll figure out what side of the hotel we're on because this shit is fucking weird. And not one person was seen the whole time we're like on these weird floors walking through the back hallway, walking through the staircase. I didn't see one person to like direct us in the right direction. I'm like, are we in hell? What is going on here? It looked like a Travis Scott concert. Misery. (laughs) (laughs) Only we lived through the experience and that's not guaranteed at a Travis Scott concert. Who said that? So we end up in this alleyway and I'm like, let's walk this way. That's got to be the street. So we're walking. I swear to God, we were walking down this alleyway for what felt like forever. Anthony's hot and like drunk. So he's ripping his shirt off. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to jail. We walk through and there's like this gate, you know, that kind of like bar that lifts up for people to pull in and out of places. We walk around that and then some guy pops out behind us from like a drive through style window who works at the hotel and says, you can't be here. And now we're like already beyond the gate walking on the street. And now he tells us this. So I look back at him and I'm like, what? 
He's like, you can't be back here. This is for staff only. And I'm like, well, I'm already on this other side of the gate. Like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Do you want me to come back in? You want me to walk back through the door and take my way through fucking Siberia and find the hotel? I'm already on the street. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Why are you even talking? Like, clearly I'm trying to find my way out of this place. I don't belong. What do you think I'm doing back here? You think I'm going to pick up a cleaning cart and go start dusting some rooms or bring fucking room service for delivery? What do I look like I'm doing back here, you asshole? I have no time for people who just speak unnecessarily. Instead of being like, what are you doing? Do you know where you're going? Like, you can't be back here. Yeah, no shit. Nor do I want to be back fucking here, loser. And I'm already on the street. So what's the problem? Shut up. Somebody directing me in the right direction would have been really fucking useful before I made it to the street when I was lost in the back rooms of the fountain blue. So I finally figure out where we are and I start to walk towards the door and I turn around and I realize that Anthony is still shirtless <laughs> with sunglasses on, wasted. And I'm like, put your fucking shirt back on. We have to walk through the hotel to get to the room. Put your shirt back on. He puts his shirt back on inside out. I'm like, button it. I walk up and I'm trying to button his shirt. I realize it's fucking inside out. He can't button it because he's so drunk. So I'm buttoning his shirt on backwards to walk through the fucking lobby. We finally made it to the room. What was supposed to be like 10 minutes of walking Lonnie back to her room just to like make sure she made it there turned out to be like a half an hour ordeal just to get like out to the street, back into the hotel and to the room. It was fucking ridiculous. He's still mad at me for giving him some green fucking juice, as he described it. It was literally liquid IV in a water bottle to try to get him to sober up and not have a hangover, which he just ended up throwing it all up anyway. But to this day, he's referencing it as green juice because he said it tasted like a salad. It was literally lemon lime flavor. He's so fucking dramatic. Rachel's drunk on the balcony retelling the story of the ID 50 fucking times because that's what women do when they get drunk and something bad happens. They retell the story 50 fucking times. <laughs> Anthony's throwing up. I'm waiting for him to get safely into bed so I can go to sleep. I'm like, fuck this shit. At some point during the night, I decided I wasn't going to go to sleep and I was going to go by myself to see the fucking sunrise instead. I am a Sagittarius. I'm a loner. I'm a wanderer. Anytime we're on a vacation, I like to go walk the beach by myself. At some point, I like to take a walk to town by myself. Last time we were in Miami, I went to the mall by myself. Like I'm a loner. It's what I do. I like to go wander and explore things on my own for an hour or two. So I was like, fuck this. Everybody's asleep. I'm awake. I'm not getting any sleep anytime soon because I'm still like hyped up. I'm still fucking pissed that I'm not a goddamn space because by the time I got back to the room and everybody went to sleep and Anthony was done yelling about the green juice, it was already like 5.30 in the fucking morning. I'm like, I am not going to club space at 5.30 in the morning. I needed to leave this hotel by four. I'm already done. So that's what I did. I went to see the sunrise by myself on the beach and FaceTimed hot chocolate to show him the sunrise in Miami that I was viewing alone. <laughs> and it was so peaceful. I walked back to the pool area of the hotel when I was coming back from the beach and the sun was up and I just like laid in the lounge chair for a little bit and it was so fun because the sun had just come up and the sky was beautiful colors and the staff was out like setting up the chairs and setting up all the stuff for the day. It was probably like 6.30ish, 7 o'clock by that point and I was the only one there. So the whole resort that's usually packed by the pool area was completely empty and I got these two chairs like by the main pool and I just felt like I was the only person on earth. <laughs> I felt like I was the only person there 
watching the videos from the night before and enjoying the view. And the guy was like, you should tell the people that you're with to come down and grab these chairs because this is like prime real estate. You're not going to find these in a couple hours. But at that point, I was like, all I need is a water bottle and a fucking couple hours of sleep. I was still drinking at this point, walking around with my stupid white claw can. And then we headed home after a trip that was a ton of fun, but way too short to recover. And I spent the whole next day on the couch doing absolutely fucking nothing eating Chinese food, (laughs) trying to recover, sleeping, and watching bullshit television because I am old and I need a recovery day. So I took off of work in advance, knowing that I was going to need the day after we got home to fucking recover. And that's exactly what I did. I actually came home off the plane that night and cleaned the whole house while I still had the energy so that I could just relax in a beautiful, clean, nice smelling home with mopped floors on my recovery day. And that's exactly what I did because I am old and that is what I need now. I could party with the best of them, but I need more time to recover because I am now 30. And I honestly was looking around the club at one point when we were at Live and I was like, am I too old to be here? Is it weird that all of my friends are having kids and I'm still at at the club shaking ass? (laughs) No, the answer is no. I will be in the club, on the floor, on a table until the fucking death of me. I will be an old ass man, grandpa, on top of a table drinking out of the bottle because I will have fun for the rest of my life. There is no reason for me to live if I can't be on a fucking dance floor. So see you in the club at age 50 fucking two. I don't give a fuck. Honestly, I always said that I didn't want kids, but I should probably start having them now. So by the time that they're 20, I'm, I can use them as an excuse to <laughs> Oh, I'm just here with my kids. I'm not here for me. I'm just chaperoning my children. Meanwhile, I'm on top of a fucking table guzzling a bottle of champagne. (laughs) Anyway, that's my story. And I thought to myself when I was sitting down to record this podcast and I was reflecting on the trip when I had gotten back and I was like, wow, nothing like crazy happened. Nothing out of control happened for me to talk about. The craziest thing that happened was me getting lost in a fucking back stairway out of the service elevator in the nicest hotel in Miami. Is that adulthood? Like crazy shit doesn't happen anymore on a night out? You just fucking get lost because you're old and drunk? Is that the way things go now? I don't know. Anyway, as usual, make sure you're following me on Instagram at MakeyNotTheMouse. Make sure you're following the podcast Instagram at PulsePounding. And if you need me at this point to still tell you to leave a goddamn five-star review on your streaming app of choice. What are we doing at this point? Like, What do you need me to tell you that for? You're a grown-ass bitch. Like, You're a grown-up. You know what you need to do. Give me a break. Here's to hoping that the next time I end up in Miami, which won't be for a while, I'll finally make it to Club Space. All right, hoes, I'll catch you on the next one. Later. 